morning and welcome once again to Trace. My name is Corey. I'm one of the pastors here, but one of the one of the, the titles that I like I love as a part of what the job that I get to do is I'm the next generation pastor. I get to hang out with kids, students, and uh, and they they are awesome. And so I just want to give you a, a quick shameless plug. We believe summer changes everything. One of the things that we are actually doing and hosting ourselves is this thing called Trace Fit Kids. It is a fitness camp that will teach character uh, to your kids, ages three years old all the way up to fifth grade. Uh, we do this by introducing kids to sport and to Jesus. Uh, we'll actually be partnering with D1, which is our next door neighbors here. They got an incredible facility. It's going to be an awesome experience. This is one of those kind of things that is an incredible opportunity for you to invite like the kids that don't come to church, the kids that won't ever don the doors of a place like this. So like invite your, your grandkids, your nephews and nieces, or your neighbor's kids, your co-workers' kids. Bring them here. We already have 75 kids signed up for this thing. It's going to be an awesome event. So uh, go online uh, to that website, Trace Fit Kids. Uh, it's the backslash summer thing, and you'll be good to go on that. So that's my shameless plug. Now let's get to the message. Rather, let's get to superheroes, all right? So you all probably seen a lot of like capes going on around here. I'm going to explain those here in a minute. Uh, but th there have been a ton of superhero movies here of late. Have you all noticed that? Like every time you turn around, there's a new movie coming out. Uh, and, and one of my favorite series is the series The Avengers. Anybody else like The Avengers? Yes, yes, The Avengers is awesome. Uh, as, I, I've actually been like introducing my kids to like these these movies. I've been showing them some of The Avengers, getting them excited about this. And and uh, my son just turned six uh, a, a couple weeks ago, and and I, my thought was, you know, he's turning six. This would be a great opportunity. I'm going to take him to watch the Avengers movie for the new one uh, for for his birthday. And I'm having this conversation with my neighbor, and he looks at me. He's like, I don't know if I would do that or not. I'm like, why? What, what's going on? He goes. Unless you want your son to see his favorite superhero die, it's probably not a good idea to do it. By the way, it's spoiler alert. Okay, a lot of people die in this movie. So, um, so I'm like, okay, maybe I shouldn't go and do this. But, but I, I love the Avengers. And I love the heroes. As a matter of fact, I think we got we got a several of these heroes that are up here: uh, Captain America, Iron Man, Spider Man, all that kind of stuff. What I want you guys to do is, in your mind, I want you to picture who is your favorite Avenger, and on the count of three, I want you to shout it out loud. Okay, you ready? One, two, three. Yeah, they probably die in this movie, just so you know. All right. <clears throat> I'm just joking. All right, here's the deal. We all have our favorite heroes, right? We all have our favorite heroes. But if we're being honest, we all really want to be the hero ourselves. Like, we all, we, like, we want to have a superpower. Right? We want to save the day. We want to be the hero. I'm going to give you a little insight to guys. I don't think girls do this, but guys do this, like, quite frequently. Uh, guys, have you all ever had those, like, what-if scenarios, like, you're like standing in a line, like your mind's kind of wandering. Maybe you're getting tickets to watch the Avengers, and, and you see some kind of shady dude like kind of come up to the side, and all of a sudden your mind starts going, he's like, what if that guy like comes and steals my wife's purse and like starts running away? Like, what would I do? And all of a sudden you go like a daydream mode, and, and so you start to picture yourself chasing after this guy and like tackling him and giving him like a John Cena you know, elbow to his face and like dragging him back purse in hand to your wife and make him apologize to your wife. And then you sit down to, to coffee at Starbucks with him and tell him about Jesus and lead him to Christ, you know? That may be where like your daydream and my daydream kind of diverge. Uh, that's the pastor coming out into me. But like guys, we, we do this. We paint these pictures, whether it's like hitting the winning shot or saving the day. Like we have this desire to be the hero. And, and that's not necessarily a bad thing. But, but Aaron and I were recently at a conference, and I've since read a book uh, that proposed a, a change in mentality of how we see ourselves and how we see the world. And, and I want to share that with you because here's the, here's the question I've been wrestling with over the last several weeks, and, here, and this is it. Are you trying to be the hero of your story? 
or a hero maker in someone else's? Are you trying to be the hero in your story or a hero maker in someone else's? I've been pondering through this, and as I thought about it, I, I thought, man, this is going to be a, this is a great way to couch the topic that we are going to be approaching today. You see, we're still in the series called The Power of E, and over the last couple of weeks, we've touched on the power of encouragement and the power of empathy. And if you've missed those particular messages, you can go online and watch them. Uh, last week particularly was just an incredible one that Aaron did on empathy. And so like, go online and watch those. Today, we, we shift our focus to the power of empowerment. And what I want us to do is I want us to have some like fresh eyes as we look at this word. And, and, and what I want us to do is to look at the concept of empowerment through the lens of hero making. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to use those terms synonymously, kind of interchangeably throughout our time together today. And the one thing that we're going to ponder together today is this. Empowerment is about raising up heroes, not becoming one. About raising up heroes, not becoming one. So if you've got your Bibles with you, go ahead and open them up, turn them on to Luke chapter 9. We're going to get there here in just a moment. But what we're going to do is we're going to take a look at empowerment uh, through the, 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 like the greatest hero maker of all time, and his name is Jesus. Now, uh, regardless of where you might stand like in your belief of who Jesus is, there's a, there's a few things that you can't deny. They're just undeniable. Like Jesus was a real man who really walked the earth, he really lived a life, he really said the things that he said, he really died on a cross. Like those are all things that are like true about Jesus. One of the things that we see that are true about Jesus is this one guy, he shook up mankind. He turned mankind and this world on its, on its head. He, he caused people to think differently about things. And we see those effects rippling all throughout the rest of humanity. You see, up until the point of Jesus coming on the scene, all of antiquity was trying to get to God, trying to be the hero himself. And all of a sudden, Jesus comes on the scene, and he is the God who comes to man. And here's the cool thing about this. He doesn't try to be the hero. Instead, he raises up heroes. He didn't come to serve, and he didn't come to be served. He came to serve others. I wish all we hear about Jesus. And so we got to take a look at this, this ultimate hero maker. Now, don't get me wrong. Jesus is still the Savior, all right? He is still hero status. Uh, matter of fact, I think there's a cartoon here. I don't know if you all saw this, Jesus hanging out with the superheroes. This is how I save the world, right? Like, apart from Jesus doing what he did on a cross, apart from his willingness to lay down his life and the power that he had to pick it back up again, conquering death and, and overcoming the grave, like, we, we don't have any hope. There's no hope for humanity. He is the hero when it comes down to it. But when you watch his model of ministry, when you look at what his focus was while he was here, you can make a strong argument that Jesus came not to necessarily be the hero, but to make heroes of others. And we know Jesus was a hero maker because of how he allocated his time as a leader. We, we oftentimes think of Jesus as being the guy standing up on the mounts and, and, and preaching to the, to the crowds and healing people in masses. And he did those things, no doubt. But, but when you look at the large majority of his ministry, you see that it was actually reserved for the, uh, the few, investing in individuals personally. Speaking of that, like he had 12 guys that he specifically invested in over the course of the three years of ministry that he had on this earth. One researcher, one researcher actually says that the Gospels, which are simply the accounts of Jesus' life, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, it says that they put three-fourths of their emphasis on training the twelve which means that Jesus spent 73% of his time looking after the specific events that were recorded in his life. He spent 73% of his time with these 12 guys that he was investing in personally. See, from the moment that Jesus was baptized until the moment of his resurrection, he spent the large majority of time investing in the few 
rather than the many. That should tell us something about how Jesus saw the world. See, out of all the people that, that, that could claim hero status like Jesus was the dude, he was the guy, and, but yet we see that his focus was primarily on investing in, building up, raising up other heroes in the process. So let's take a look at Luke chapter 9 through this particular lens. We'll start in verse 10, and you're going to get to see how Jesus actually does this hero making. You see that uh, in, in verse uh, 10 it says, When the apostles returned, they reported to Jesus what they had done. I'll come back to that. But he had sent them out, and they come back, and they report what, he's done, what they've done. Then he took them with him, and they withdrew by themselves to a town called Bethsaida. But the crowds learned about him and followed him. Jesus is trying to get away from people, and they keep following him. But because Jesus loves people, he welcomed them, and he spoke to them about the kingdom of God and healed those who needed healing. So this is one of those specific events recorded in the Gospels that is about Jesus' public ministry. He's speaking to the crowds, and he's healing people in masses. But even in this public ministry, watch how Jesus approaches it. Look at his mentality as he approaches this situation that's coming up. Late in the afternoon, the 12, these are again the disciples that have been spending time with Jesus. Uh, they came to him and said, send the crowd away so that they can go to the surrounding villages and countryside and find food and lodging because we are in a remote place here. The disciples uh, noticed a problem. They, they're looking around the people and they're seeing, these guys have been here like all day and they've got to be hungry. Uh, like we need to let them go so that they can be fed. So they identify this problem and like any good person would do, they take their problem to the hero, Right? That's what these guys are doing. They take their problems to the hero. But look at what Jesus does. He replies to them, you give them something to eat. I, I love this response. I love this response because Jesus certainly had it in his power to be able to solve the problem. But instead, he puts the problem back on the people and he empowers them. He's like, what are you guys going to do about it? You've seen a need. You see a problem. You've diagnosed an issue. Now, what can you do to be a part of the solution? And so they answer him, we, we only have five loaves of bread and we have two fish. Like, that's all we got unless we were going to like buy food for this entire crowd, which is over 5,000 men, not to mention like all the women and the children that are hanging out here. This is a big task ahead of us. But I want you to take a look at what Jesus does next. Um, those of you all that know the story know that Jesus like, he causes this miracle to happen. He, he feeds all of the 5,000 plus people and like, he, you know, gets credit and glory for it and all that kind of stuff. But watch actually how he dissects this. Look at his mentality. He says to the disciples, okay, have them sit down in groups of about 50 each. And the disciples did so. And everyone sat down. Jesus subtly but very intentionally is setting up the leadership of his disciples. Instead of speaking to the masses and trying to get them organized, he actually has the disciples go organize these people in hundreds and in, and in fifties. And he has them sit down because now what he's done is he's put those people in charge of this particular group of people. And so for that group of 50 people and that group of 50 people, Peter is the guy who's representing him. And Paul is, not Paul, he wouldn't have been there at this time, uh, but, but, but Thomas is representing him. And these other guys are representing him, okay? That's what Jesus is doing. And then taking the five loaves and the two fish and looking up to heaven. He gives thanks and he breaks them. Okay, Jesus causes the miracle to happen, but look what happens next. And then he gave them to the disciples to distribute to the people. And they all ate and were satisfied. And the disciples picked up 12 basketfuls of broken pieces that were left over. 
you see in a group of 5,000 people as they're all getting seated and stuff like that, not all of them are going to see Jesus perform this incredible miracle. And even if they did, we're not told exactly how this happened. But what happens is Jesus gives thanks, and then he gives it to the disciples. He actually gives the miracle that he has performed to his disciples. And so now all the, the people that are hanging around in these 50s and 100s, all they see is these guys with baskets that are coming, and they're feeding them. And it's not ending. And it keeps going. And all of them get their fill, and now they're putting stuff back in the baskets. To those people who are being fed, what they saw was that the disciples themselves were the ones that were feeding them and taking care of them and distributing the food. You see, Jesus in this moment made heroes of the disciples because that's how he rolled. And if you look on both sides of this particular story uh, in the, in the uh, uh, recordings of Luke here, what you see is on the front side, he actually sends out his, his 12, the people that he's been spending a lot of time with. And on the back side, he actually sends out more. He sends out 72 people, but he sends them out ahead of him. Uh, and he, does, he sends them with a lot more than just like flyers and pamphlets and tracts. He sends them out with power and authority to go cast out demons and to heal the sick and to tell people about the kingdom that is to come. Those are things that he himself was doing, and now he gives it away to these disciples so that they can go do what he was doing. He's got a hero-making mentality of ministry. That's how he rolls. Now, I was, I was uh, out hiking with my, uh, my youngest. Uh, she's three years old. Her name's Clover, and we were hiking the other day. And uh, as we're hiking, I'm holding her hand, and uh, really, she's holding my finger. That's, that's kind of how it works. Uh, and so I'm holding her finger, and we're kind of walking up the, the hill, and uh, I'm trying to keep her from, from falling. I don't want her to fall, that kind of stuff. And, and as we're doing it, like, I'm coaching her, you know. I'm, I'm telling her, you're doing a great job. I'm giving her encouragement. I'm teaching her, it's like, you know, hey, you can jump off this rock. And when you get to, you know, areas that are kind of slippery, it's like you can move side to side. And, and so I'm walking with her and showing her, and she's doing a really good job at this like such a good job that i could probably let her go and she could do it on her own but there's something inside of me as a dad it's like i don't want to let her go because she would fall right and i don't want her to fall because i'm not a horrible parent all right and then also because i don't want to get hurt side note here somewhere along the way we've convinced ourselves that the people that we love and the people that we lead that the very worst thing that could happen to them is that they could fall they could fail, or they could get hurt. I'm just here to tell you, that's not the truth. You see, the worst thing, the worst thing that can happen to those people that we love and that we lead is that they never let go of us. Or maybe we don't let go of them. We don't give them permission to fall or to fail. You see, Jesus is all about releasing. And when we don't release people, then what we're doing is we're keeping them from actually becoming all that God has empowered them to be, but requires us to release them. And so on the way back down the trail, um, I have a conversation with my little girl. I'm like, hey, I think you can do this on your own. And so I'm going to let you go ahead and do this. And I, I'll release her to go down the mountain by herself. And sure enough, she falls like several times. So don't tell my wife. Uh, but uh, so she falls and she skins her knees a little bit. But, 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 but you should have seen her face. And the pride in her voice, when she jumped off the rock by herself, she turns around to me and says, Daddy, I did it. Yes. Yes, you did. You see, that's how God wants us to see this world and this life. He wants us to empower others. And, and empowerment is literally to give power away. Power looks a lot different to a lot of different people. It could be influence. It could be responsibility. It could be uh, authority. It could be opportunity. But, but, but God wants us to give it away. It literally requires us to let go, to release it. 
in order for us to be empowering to others. And in God's economy, power is not meant to hoard or to store. That's how the world looks at this. It's, it's meant to use and to release. And, and you're never more powerful than when, when you're able to give away the thing that makes you powerful to other people. That is how God sees power. And this is exactly what we see Jesus doing all throughout his ministry. He doesn't keep power to himself. He looks to pass it along. Because empowerment is about raising up heroes, not becoming one yourself. And that's why I think that you need to hear from one of our students. You already saw her up here once because we prayed over her. She's a senior. Her name is Nikhil, and she has a little story about feeling empowered herself. So welcome, Nikhil, up here to the stage. Your platform. Hello, my name is Mikhail. Like Corey said, I am a senior. I actually graduated on Thursday, so I'm done. Yes, I'm very excited about not going back to school. <laughs> well, I just want to share a couple stories on empowerment. So the first one I want to share is how when Trace first started, and there were only a couple of us sitting in Liberty, and when we did youth groups, we were just sitting in Corey's basement, playing ping pong, talking about Jesus. It was just, it was a good time, but there were so little people, and I wanted to reach others. And so we were asked to, told to do so on occasion. <laughs> and so eventually I did. I invited one friend in particular, and he came, and he loved it. He fell in love with Jesus. He fell in love with the church so fully and completely, so quickly. It was amazing. It was fantastic, and I was overjoyed. So with that one person, we started inviting other people. And that one person I had invited turned into two people who were coming to church, which turned into five people that were coming to church on a regular basis. Three of them have been baptized, and one of their siblings, I know, that is, yes, celebrate. <laughs> My sibling has also been baptized. Yeah. Woo, love you, sibling. <laughs> yes. So because I was empowered to invite people to come, they were empowered, and their lives have been changed forever, eternally. It's just an amazing thing to think about. Another story I want to share is I have very recently been asked to be a leader in middle school camp, which I'm super excited about. And if you are a middle schooler, definitely sign up. It's going to be fun because I'm going, and I'm really excited. <laughs> no, it's just it's great because I had been asked to. It's not something I would have ever thought of doing on my own, but it is something I'm passionate about. I love hanging out with these kids on every youth group night. They're fun, they're spunky, they love God. It's just, it's amazing to see them run around and get involved with each other. So I'm just so glad to be going because being asked means that they trust me. They believe in me to do things at this camp that are just going to affect lives for the rest of them. <laughs> yeah. Another story I want to share is we do student leadership and it's juniors and seniors, and we plan events. We are empowered to plan events. We are given freedom and the tools necessary in order to go out and invite new people and welcome in new people, but also keep the people that are usually coming entertained and having fun. So one night we're having a meeting, because we have those, and Corey asks us, what are the four most important letters of the alphabet? We're sitting around, we're like, I don't know, Jesus is five, that doesn't, that doesn't work. God is only three. Um, well, I don't know, maybe my initials fit because I'm important and I'm cool. <laughs> We're just really trying to come up with the youth group Jesus answer and not quite getting there. <laughs> so 
so finally, Corey writes on the boards the letters I-C-N-U. And we're still a little confused at first. But then he starts describing what the I-C-N-U statement is and how it is meant to empower others and encourage others to go out and do great things they didn't think they could. This little statement speaks on many levels to many different people. When you tell someone you see in them, they see in themselves in return because they can go and they can do things that they didn't think of. It's just, it creates this emotion that is overwhelming to go and do something. It's just, it's fantastic. So I just want to thank everyone here for seeing in me and let you know that I see in all of you. Yeah, this, this is an example of, of what happens when somebody feels empowered, when they feel empowered. I don't know if you guys caught this or not, Yaz. Uh, because she felt empowered and she took ownership, she was given permission, opportunity. Five people have actually given their lives to Jesus Christ and been baptized because of, of her efforts, because she felt empowered. Guys, that's an incredible thing, and that's what can happen. And her story is such a testament of so many elements of what empowerment is. Uh, empowerment is it's, it's, it's giving permission. It's, it's opening up opportunities. It's asking people to do things that they might not have seen that they could do of themselves. It's calling them to a next level. It's seeing something in them and calling it out in them. That's what empowerment looks like. And you guys, watch out. Watch out, world, when somebody feels empowered because you've just created a hero. Watch out, Western Colorado University, because Nikhil is coming your way, and I see in you an influencer that's going to make a, a huge difference in Gunnison. And Aaron, and you and I need to go back up to visit her in Gunnison because that is where the fish are, right? So, yeah, we're going to go up and do some lake trout fishing up there. So, super excited about that. Well, you guys, you all heard me say um, that I told you that in order to empower others, you have to give it away, right? But sometimes you also have to get out of the way in order to empower others. Jesus. Jesus actually understood this, and in, in John chapter 16, he records, uh, but in fact, it is best for you. Some, some translations actually say, it's to your advantage that I go out of the way, that, that, that I get out of your way, that I step aside, okay? Because if I don't, the advocate, that's the Holy Spirit, he won't come. But if I do go away, then I will send him to you. You see, Jesus understood an incredibly important principle. When you have a superhero in your midst, you often just defer to them to him or her, even though you might be fully capable and competent to be able to do the very thing that is being asked of you, you simply look to the person who's the hero in the room. And I got to tell you, sometimes moms, you all are the worst at this. This is not Mother's Day anymore. We're past that. I can pick on you guys, okay? Sometimes you all are the worst at this, but you guys, it's not just moms. It's parents in general. It's, it's coaches. It's teachers. It's bosses. It's pastors. You see, oftentimes, we won't actually get out of the way long enough to allow somebody to be able to do the thing that they're called to do. And because of that, they keep looking to us, just the same way that the disciples look to Jesus. And Jesus said, guys, i got to step out of there. i got to remove myself. He doesn't leave us or forsake us, but i got to step out of the way for a little while so that you can do what I've called you to do in the first place. And so some of us need to ask the question, like, where am I in the way? Like, who, who's the person that I am not actually getting out of the way of so that they can do the very thing that God has called them to do? Because that's what Jesus does. And then we see in Acts chapter 1, Jesus talking to these guys right before he's getting ready to peace out. He says, you, you will receive the power. He's talking specifically to the 12 guys he's invested in. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you'll be my witnesses telling people about me everywhere, starting in Jerusalem and then Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the world. 
literally, Jesus gives away the power and he gets out of the way. And he says, guys, I've done my part. I've done my thing. Now it's time for you to do your thing. To which all the rest of us looking at the story go, Jesus, really? Like, like this is your plan? Like, come on. Like, like you really want to leave the fate of the world in the hands of a bunch of guys that still don't really get it. That's your plan. To which Jesus replies, yep. That's exactly what I came to do. I came to do my thing, which only I could do. Like nobody else could take up their life. Like I, I did that part, all right? But, but the, the rest of the thing, it's up to you. Like why, why do you think I spent so much time with these guys? Why do you think that I, I gave them opportunities? Why I gave them a taste of what it looked like to be empowered while I was with, why I let them fail even in their midst? Why do you think I did that? Because I, they're my plan. They're my plan A. I don't have another plan. I did my thing, now I'm giving it to these guys to go do their thing. And I'm giving them my power and my authority and my opportunity and my influence. I'm putting it in their hands. And you know what, they've done a pretty good job with that. Because if, if you're hearing this message today, then that means that they told somebody, who then told somebody, who then empowered somebody else, who then made another disciple, who then shared that information with you, so that you, oh, by the way, if you've received this message then you yourself have been given the same Holy Spirit that I gave to these guys. You are now empowered the very same way that I've empowered you. You are now my plan. It's in your hands. But, but don't forget. Don't forget if you're going to follow up with me, if you're going to do this the way that I did it, that empowerment is all about raising up heroes, not becoming one yourself. That's... Jesus' plan. That's how he does it. And so let me put this in, a, in some practical terms of how we operate as a church. How does, this, how does it matter to us as a church? What you need to understand is that uh, we as a church have fought really hard to be able to hold on to a, an empowerment mentality of ministry. And we follow this Ephesians 4 concept, which if you haven't read that, it would be a great thing to go and read with your neighboring groups this week. But, but basically the gist is this. Uh, there are certain people who are placed in positions of leadership in a church. Their job according to Ephesians 4, is to actually equip and empower other people to do what God has equipped them to do ahead of time. Like, our job is actually to be able to see something in you, call it out in you, give you an opportunity, empower you to be able to do it. The problem is, unfortunately, too many of you have looked to the leadership and the pastors as being the hero, and you put them up on a pedestal, and, and, and you, you say, you know what, you do that. We're going to let you be the one who teach. We're going to let you be the one who shares your faith. We're going to let you be the one who cares for the, for the people that are hurting. All right? And they've made a hero out of the pastors. Or worse yet, too many of us, personal confession, too many of us have been so wrapped up on trying to be the hero and feel needed that we've actually stood in the way of making heroes of others. Guys, we got to step out of the way. We got to step out of the way. We have, we have to stop trying to be needed so much and look for ways for other people to be raised up so that they can be needed and can be the hero. You know, we got a card this past week uh, from Springs Rescue Mission, uh, which is an organization downtown that's actually one of our strategic partnerships. And they sent us a card, and they're just thanking our church uh, for what we have done for them. And Aaron and I are both looking at each other like, did you do anything? No, I didn't do anything. Did you do anything? No, I didn't do anything. It's like, well, who did this? Well, it was one of our neighboring groups who took, by their own initiative, to go down and to serve this particular organization that's part of our strategic partnership. And the church looks good because of it. Because they took it upon themselves to take initiative. They felt empowered enough to go do something about it. 
Every once in a while, I get one of you guys to come up to me, and, and you, you'll have this great idea. Or you'll, you'll see a problem, and you'll see an issue, and you bring it to my attention. And the intent is, hey, the church ought to do something about this, right? To which we look back at you, just as Jesus did the disciples, and said, okay, what are you going to do about it? Right? Because like you have obviously been given the eyes to be able to see this thing. Matter of fact, you also still have, you have the power to solve this thing. What can we do as an organization, as a church, to be able to stand alongside of you to help you do what God has called you to do in the first place? How can we make a hero out of you in this particular situation? Guys, that, that plays out in so many uh, ways. We, we, we think really in terms of platforms around here. How can we create platforms to allow you to be able to jump off of, to be able to do things yourself? That's how we, we operate within our children's ministry, with our kids, and with our students. Uh, we, we're like, we want you to be the hero of the day. And so maybe there's a place that you can go serve here at, at Trace. We, we love the opportunity to be able to create heroes of you in these different ways to serve. This is such an important thing to us that as we were creating our staff cultural distinctives, uh, we, we created an acronym. And of that acronym, there are two things that have to do with this, release and empowerment. If you're going to be on staff with us, you have to understand those particular things and how they play out because it, it matters. We will never be able to leave traces of God's love everywhere we go unless we embrace this concept of release and empowerment. Because you won't ever take it on your own to be able to figure out how has God empowered me to do what he's called me to do. You'll keep looking to the organization or you'll look to the person next to you or you'll look to the hero that you see in your neighboring group or whatever it happens to be. You have been called to be a hero and to be hero makers of others. And so that's what we want to do as a church, but I think the question that we all have to ask ourselves is this. Are we more concerned about being a hero or being a hero maker? It's not a bad thing to be a hero. Sometimes you're called to be a hero. Sometimes you need to be a hero, but our mentality needs to be that of Christ, which means we got to see other people as hero makers. Empowerment is about raising up heroes, not becoming ones ourselves. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to close this out by uh, asking my son, actually, to come on up here. And he's going to pray for us. And he's going to come pray for us because he can. He, 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 he can pray. Matter of fact, oftentimes, uh, he's the one that's it's leading prayer at our, at our table. Or when mama's not feeling too good, he's, he's just, hey, can I pray for you? And so uh, I just asked him to come do this. And so, uh, like, the, the dad and me wanted to, like, coach him through, like, what he should say. And the points that I want him to hit, you know, that, that like, met, you know, messed up with my sermon. But I said, you know what? He can. He can do this. And so he's going to lead us in a conversation with God right now. Sound good? Go ahead, brother. Okay. Thank you, God, for this wonderful day that we had and everybody and the families that come here that are fun and good and And um, that that um that they could have fun out in the in the place of Colorado and the and the families that go to the lands of Colorado. They would be beautiful, and we would see them. And when you see them, um, when you 
um, they're so beautiful. Amen. All right. Thank you, buddy. I appreciate that.